This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Ash Miller. If you're listening to this, statistically, there's a good chance you are in Hennepin County as you do so. One of several locations, businesses, and even a good beer or two named after Hennepin. But have you ever found yourself wondering just what or who Hennepin was? Reader Ron Lundquist did, so he turned to Curious Minnesota for answers. Let's hear from Ron. I grew up in Hennepin County, and it seems like there had been a lot of looking into names of places and things like that, and it occurred to me, I really knew nothing about Father Hennepin. So I asked the question, and I also asked the question in such a way just to keep it vague, because to me, there was really no agenda behind this. Uh, It's more like, who's Father Hennepin, and why is there a Hennepin County and everything else? And it really, that's, that's where the question comes from. I didn't know the answer, so I reached out to someone I knew could help. Kevin Dukesher is in the studio to answer all my burning questions about Hennepin and just why so many things in Minnesota are named for it. Who was this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is the question, isn't it? Because you see his name everywhere in the Twin Cities, especially, of course, in Minneapolis and the suburbs. Uh, His name is downtown on the hospital, on the libraries, on the social service agencies and on the uh, most prominent downtown boulevard, Hennepin Avenue. His name was Louis Hennepin. He was a Catholic priest who was born in Belgium, uh, signed on with a French order, uh, the Franciscans, and uh, got his start over in Europe, but was really interested in adventure and Mm -hmm. was interested in exploring the area that was then called New France. And he finally caught on with an expedition headed by La Salle and arrived in what is now Quebec in the 1600s. How do you get from Quebec to, to well, what ha- <laughs> Well, what happened was he spent three years in the wilderness of that area of Canada, preaching and spreading the gospel to the various uh, Indian tribes around there, as well as the folks who uh, were settling that area. The French at the time often sent missionaries along with their expeditions as a means of spreading civilization to the Indians, of course, who were uh, not churched in the way that Europeans were. And so that was considered a part of the mission of the European explorers to bring the gospel to the New World. Hennepin did that for three years, and then LaSalle planned an expedition down the Mississippi River, which was seen as sort of the great uh, goal. People wanted to find out where the Mississippi went, how big the Mississippi Basin was, and to claim it for their respective countries. And so Hennepin signed on with LaSalle as they went through the Great Lakes down to the area of where Chicago is today. They went down the Illinois River to where it meets the Mississippi. That was the plan anyway. At the area that is now Peoria, Illinois, LaSalle decided he was going to go south, going to go downriver on the Mississippi, But he wanted a party to take a look at what might be upriver, up north. And so he assigned two of the people in his expedition to go along with Hennepin. 
It's not clear whether that was Hennepin's idea or whether LaSalle thought that Hennepin should accompany these two men. But in any event, that's what happened. They went down the Mississippi and they went up the Illinois and then they ran into a party of Dakota warriors mm-hmm. who were coming downriver. And the warriors apparently made them prisoner. It's not entirely clear that it was a punitive thing. The warriors might just have been interested in finding out what they knew and what kind of equipment and gear they had. Right. Because the natives at that time were very interested in knowing what all these white men were bringing with them. So they went back upriver to the area that is now the Twin Cities. They stopped at Phelan Creek, where Phelan Creek empties into the Mississippi in St. Paul, and started out from there on a five-day journey overland, about 100 miles, to the Dakota camp on Mille Lacs Lake, which is north of the Twin Cities, as we know. Mm-hmm. And that's where they hung out for a while. They weren't necessarily treated as prisoners. I think the Dakota were interested in learning what they could from these three Frenchmen. Mm-hmm. At some point, Hennepin told them that LaSalle had left some supplies for them back down along the Mississippi, mm-hmm. where the Wisconsin River empties into the Mississippi. And so of the three men, the Dakota decided to leave one man with them, maybe as a hostage, and sent Hennepin and the other man back down to the Mississippi to retrieve these supplies. Mm-hmm. And so that party traveled down the Rum River to the Mississippi, the Rum River, of course, going through Anoka, as we know nowadays. And it was on that trip, going down river to the Mississippi, that Hennepin came upon the falls on the Mississippi, the only significant waterfall on the river. Mm -hmm. It's been brought to my attention that there is, a, in fact, something of a falls at Little Falls, Minnesota, which is upriver from here north of St. Cloud, But that's not the same kind of significant waterfall that the St. Anthony Falls as we know it today is. Right. So this was a seminal moment, right? And yet Hennepin really didn't write much about it at all. Mm -hmm. They came to the falls and they obviously noticed the falls. They had to portage around it. And he named it at that time, I think the French translation is Chutes de Saint-Antoine. St. Anthony of Padua was was a patron saint for the Franciscan order. And apparently, St. Anthony was a saint to whom Hennepin prayed for intercession, for success and safety for his many journeys. So it's not unnatural that he would have named the falls after St. Anthony. Of course, the Dakota had their own names for the waterfalls. And there were a couple of them, actually. Mini-Ra-Ra was one, not to be confused with Mini-Ha-Ha. Of course, of course. <laughs> Mini-Ra-Ra apparently means swirling waters. Oh, um, interesting. Another one was Awamni Yamni, and I might be saying that wrong, Awamni Yamni, or swirling water. The Ojibwe called it Kaka Bika, or severed rock. So my point is that the Indians did have names for this particular landmark. So Hennepin added to that, of course, when he named St. Anthony. That's the name by which Europeans came to know the falls. Mm-hmm. He had a few things wrong about it. I think he estimated the falls were 50 to 60 feet high. And today they're only about 16 feet high. They, mm-hmm. they probably weren't much higher than that back then. So right. he, he had overestimated that. And uh, Hennepin also had a tie with an even more famous waterfall, Niagara, mm-hmm. because he had been preaching in that area. He wasn't the first white man to see Niagara. But he was, again, one of the first to sort of write about it 
and make it familiar to the European audience. Anyway, from there, he went back downriver. Eventually, the Dakota released Hennepin, thanks to Sir Duluth, another familiar name on the Minnesota landscape. And Hennepin made his way back to Quebec. And from there, he went back to Europe. He wrote about his adventures and the expeditions when he was in Europe, which made him famous. He wrote three books, and each one of them became more and more sort of myth the more he talked about it. Hennepin had the habit of being sort of a big mouth. He claimed for himself a lot of the successes that actually went to LaSalle and to other explorers as well. But the fact of the matter is, his books were widely read, and Europeans in the 1600s and 1700s based a lot of the knowledge they had of the New World, as they called it, based on what Hennepin was writing about. So he's, he's Minnesota's first PR man. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a really good way to put it. He really was. He did publicize the first information that Europeans had. And, and again, let's not discount what the Native Americans, the Indians in the area knew. They had been here for centuries, obviously. Right. But in terms of what the Europeans learned and knew about the area that would become Minnesota, yeah, you're right. Hennepin was the first to uh, provide that information. He was at Lake Mille Lacs. He was on the Mississippi River. He was in the area of what is now the Twin Cities, so he was able to describe that area. That's why, Ash, we've got so many things named after him. Because he was just a well-traveled man? He was very well-traveled. <laughs> he tra he's seen more of Minnesota than I have, and I've lived here a year and a half, and I have access to a car. Well, there <laughs> you go. So it's, it's time that you hit the road and take a look around. Yeah. So the postscript of the story then is, okay, so Hennepin was apparently the significant figure in terms of knowledge of what was happening or what this area was. Minnesota became a state in 1858. Mm -hmm. In the early 1850s, the Territorial Council started to define counties for the territory, what would become the state. And the Territorial Council, I think it was in 1852, was deciding on the name for the county that surrounded St. Anthony Falls. Mm -hmm. And John Stevens, who was a farmer and a merchant and had a house near the falls, thought the county around the falls should be called Snelling after Colonel Josiah Snelling, who built the fort where the Minnesota and the Mississippi rivers meet and which sort of became the base from which this whole area was settled. Mm -hmm. A fur trapper named Martin McLeod. Is that in Minnesota County, too? Or yes. Is it? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. There is a McLeod County southwest of here. But anyway, fur trapper Martin McLeod said, no, we should name it Hennepin. And that apparently was that. There's nothing in the minutes or the notes suggesting any kind of big debate about this or why right. they changed their mind. But McLeod sealed the deal. The county was named Hennepin. And I talked to a couple really fine historians about this. Bill Convery, the director of research at the Minnesota Historical Society, and John Crippen, who is the executive director of the Hennepin History Museum in South Minneapolis, which, by the way, is a great place to go if people want to get more information on Hennepin County, on this region, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Anyway, both John and Bill made the point that Hennepin got the name because St. Anthony Falls was the feature that sort of fueled the rise of Minneapolis. 
it provided the power for the city's first sawmills. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it provided the power for the flour mills, which really caused the city's growth. John told me that the interesting dynamic is what's the most important feature or place in this new county? St. Anthony Falls became the only reason for Minneapolis. If St. Anthony Falls hadn't been here, perhaps the only single big city in this area would have been St. Paul, which right. had already been established and which was sort of the upper part of navigation on the river. Mm-hmm. So um, St. Paul hates St. Anthony Falls. Got it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Bill Convery of, at the Historical Society said he recognized the importance of the falls and he promoted them. This was the registration of the state of Minnesota on the pages of history, and that's what they were celebrating by naming the county after Hennepin. So, but essentially, you're correct. Hennepin was the area's first big publicist, mm-hmm. as, as it were. And true publicist, exaggerating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed yeah. with the idea that either he couldn't count or he was just hyping up how big the falls were. That's so he, funny. He, was, he did like hype. And historians since then have all noted that while much of the information he provided in his books was in fact accurate, or is at least as accurate as he could make it, much of it also was uh, mythologized and mm-hmm. exaggerated. So, Well, thanks for stopping by and talking to me. This is so interesting. Like I said, I, I live near Hennepin uh, Avenue. Uh, we are next to the Hennepin <laughs> County Government Center. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just everywhere, and I never really thought about it until I read your story and now this conversation. So uh, thank you for helping a new Minnesotan learn. <laughs> Good to be with you, Ash, and appreciate your interest. And as I point out in the story, the Hennepin History Museum is in South Minneapolis for anybody who's interested in finding out more about this or about the general history of Hennepin County. And that's going to do it for this episode of Curious Minnesota. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.